The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Have you ever found weird things in a vagina? Have you found yourself needing multiple partners to fulfill your desires? Hey guys, I'm Dr. Jacqueline Walters, a board-certified OBGYN. It is so important that we know how and when to ask the right questions, whether you're in front of your doctor or just hanging out with your good girlfriends. Now, I wanted to create Dr. Jackie's point of view because sometimes you need to just hear the unfiltered good old Dr. Jackie. I will inspire, uplift, and educate women and men on the who, what, when, and where of things we balance daily. Make sure you subscribe to Dr. Jackie's Point of View and tune in every Thursday. I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra, the Optimism Doctor, and this is Looking Up, a place where you can expect to find raw, transparent storytelling. Listen in to learn real science-based techniques to cultivate more optimism, resiliency, and authentic joy from artists, athletes, experts, and many more. We've spoken a bit before about cancel culture and the new norm of how easy it can be to publicly cancel someone. And you'll definitely hear more about this topic on a few future episodes coming up this season. The concept of actually canceling someone, a human, can seem, well, a bit dehumanizing. Ending support for public figures in response to their actions or opinions isn't something our culture is unfamiliar with. Many times, this can include boycotting brands, refusing to support or promote any of their work. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe wholeheartedly in the power of speaking up and calling out things when they're wrong. Calling out bad behavior is so important. Some people do commit absolutely unforgivable harm. But what happens to people who are canceled for a mistake they didn't intend to make or a misrepresentation? of what they meant to say, or a lapse of judgment. You get what I'm saying here. On today's episode, we hear about my guest, who was canceled for a complete misunderstanding. What about a pure intention to do better, make better, be better? We often talk about this idea here of change and growth, resilience, and persevering through struggle. What do you think about cancel culture and about actually canceling people? What does that really mean and what are the consequences? Lara Pia Barancini, the founder of the cult favorite brand LPA, host of the Everything is the Best podcast and new mama-to-be, is my guest on today's episode of Looking Up. She talks about her experience of actually being canceled, her vulnerability to be real and authentic, many times tearing up during our interview, bravely showing us her still raw wounds from being misunderstood and subsequently canceled. And her resilience in working through the emotional weight of it all is pretty incredible. We talk about adapting to change, the power of setting boundaries, understanding that the emotional weight of personal struggle is valid, and navigating through issues related to fertility. It's important to note that this episode was recorded a little while back, and there are some very important happy updates to highlight. Pia is now pregnant and due very soon, and we at Looking Up couldn't be happier for her. And my second son, who I speak about on this episode, has now been born, and he's actually sleeping peacefully for now, a few steps away. The way we start Looking Up is I get to ask you a few rapid fire style questions uh, just to get to know you a little bit more intimately. Is there a book that has actually changed the way in which you live your life? Yeah, Elisa Vitti in the flow. Mm, okay. It's, I just yeah. read it last week. But it's like in terms of like impact changing my life, I've made in like 180 changes. And that's like all about um hormones Cycle and cycles thinking. thinking. Yes. Okay. People think I'm blank, but I'm actually blank. People think I'm a bitch, <laughs> but I'm actually I'm just intense and I'm tired a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So get the girl an espresso. (laughs) Or kind of like, or for the most part, like I get uncomfortable and I get insecure or I can get like really, really like will stare. But once you start talking to me, it's fine. But I get, I'm like very overwhelmed and can come off as bitchy and aloof. Well, you also do a million things. So we're going to get to that too. (laughs) Okay. Three words to describe yourself as a teenager during the high school years. Like driven, very social, really loud. 
<laughs> uh, when's the last time you cried? Yesterday. Uh, three things that have made you happy or brought you joy today. My mom, my husband, and my dogs. I love it. I see a lot of your dogs um, <laughs> on your on your social feeds on Instagram. So cute. Yes. It's a lot of dogs. Um, happy anniversary again. Thank and you. <laughs> that's so nice. Do you consider yourself an optimist? And what does optimism mean to you? Yeah, I'm painfully optimistic. I can get negative and I have, you know, intense thoughts that go through my brain a lot that I work. But like I self-soothed myself even like an hour ago. I was like freaking out about money. And I just always defer to like, I'm going to be fine. Mm. Like I'm like there will be solutions to everything. Like I can always sell this house. I can always get rid of this. I can know, like, and then I always think like if I'm putting so much work into everything that I do that I just know that I'll be repaid for it. Yeah. And, and no matter what that is, not even talking about like currency, but in other ways, like I know that I'll be taken care of. Yeah. I, I always defer. I defer to optimism too much sometimes that I don't do any sort of like work and I ignore things that I should really like deal with. That's actually so optimistic and truly in line with the definition of like being able to have a feeling of fear or anxiety um, and like fully recognizing a situation that's less than ideal. So not being like oblivious to it, but like, okay, I'm freaking out about money, but at the same time hold like a sense of hope or that mm -hmm. things will be okay or this too shall pass or, you know. This too shall pass is tattooed on my wrist. Oh, so it's I, kind yes. of like. Yeah. I try to defer to that. Well, yeah, because I've I've been in really good places in my life where my vibration was so strong that I was attracting wonderful things. And I've been in a dark place in my life where I was attracting horrible things. So, it's I mean, to me, it's very cut and dry. What has been the darkest time in your life? Um, I think the last couple of years were really gnarly. Like my dad dying and then and like Davide gave up his job to move here. And I was like, you'll get work right away. And he didn't. And then we realized that he couldn't legally work without a green card. And then that took two years. And it also like wiped out our savings. And then his mom dying and being sick and him not being able to like attend her funeral. Mm -hmm. And then, Ugh. and then moving in with my mom and like all the adjustments and like so many days of screaming and like my mom being really defiant. Cause like this was her home, but me being like, we're doing positive changes in here. Like, why can't you? I mean, it's just the last couple of years was just like a shit show. And like, you know, Davide, like launching his own business, like being an entrepreneur sucks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's awful until it's not. But even when it's not awful, it's still awful. It's exhausting. <laughs> so like all of that, you know, and then, you know, he was about to have his best season ever. And then COVID happened. And I think like, you know, having a, a, an Italian man, who's like not the breadwinner for the last two years. That was really hard on our relationship. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like one moment, but there was definitely times where it all like piled up and got, and like, and then I'm trying to make my mom happy and I'm trying to make him happy. So I would just constantly be optimistic. And then there would just be days where I would just be like, I just want to die. Like, yeah. what is this all for? Like, it's too much. Like, this is too much. Yeah. And I quit, I'd be like, what's the solution? Like every solution, because I'm very like, what's the solution? And every solution is just would cause like more loss or like I, it was just very. And so now with him working and my mom and I getting along like really well right now and the house feels really good. So it's starting. We're starting to have moments where we're like, OK, this is what it was all for. Do you think that it was like a time adjustment or have you do you have some like actual tools that you guys have been using that you could share that have really helped in terms of communication and working through some of these really, really tough times and struggles, even just circumstantially that so many of us are going through. Um, I can attest to a lot of the same similarities. And um, because of COVID, uh, my husband and son and I have moved in with my parents because we have no childcare. We lost childcare and we both work full time. So mm. there's a lot of that. Um, we're so, I, I'm so lucky. And, and it's like for a couple months we've been here and it's been amazing, but it's of course starting to get to a point where it's like, it's been a couple months and like, we like, this is not sustainable. Yeah, definitely. I mean, time is a thing. I mean, that definitely helped. And then I had to be reflective. Like I'm very clean and my husband is 
way cleaner than I am. And my mom leaves a trail of whatever <laughs> fucking idea she had that day everywhere. So it's like when I go downstairs in the morning, the kitchen is like, she started to make bread, but then got distracted and like went over there. And Your then, mom is me. <laughs> are you a Sagittarius? No, I'm a Leo. And like, I'm actually so in very many ways, type A. And I like things, I'm like a doer and things get done and I'm like a hustler, but I'm not, I'm not organized. Like I'm just, and I, I think because especially now I'm doing like so many things at once. Like yeah. I get, especially being a parent, I'm like, I start one thing and then I get called, you know, to my son to do something else. And then I forgot I even had started that. And then it's over there. And it's just, I'm probably that person that's driving the rest of my family crazy because <laughs> I just like leave shit everywhere, um, especially towels. Oh yeah, that would make me crazy. Yeah, yeah. And we're trying to work <laughs> on it. Trying to work on it. So, I mean, like I drive my husband crazy with the little things that I leave around, but then my mom is like a disaster. So like things came to a head. We were fine. My husband was gone for a month. We were fine the whole month getting along way better than we ever have. <laughs> and then this last week, it's like, I don't know, every day I would come downstairs or like look around the house and I would just finally looked at her and I was like, you are like one little person who's like a hundred pounds on like a, <laughs> on like a good day. Like you take up no space, but you are fucking everywhere. And like, <laughs> how does one little person that like does not have a job, well, she has, does real estate, but like does not like run a business, have so much stuff and it's fucking everywhere. And and the problem is that, like, I am really snappy. I'll go downstairs and be like, are you fucking kidding me? And my mom, you know, had, like, a very intense husband for a long time and five kids. And as soon as I raise my voice, she completely defers to, like, she gets, like, so inward. And you oh. just see her panicking. And it's oh. not, it's not conductive. to. But, like, I don't, I don't, and, like, but that's how I communicate. Mm -hmm. So that's been really interesting is this kind of like, like, she's like, I just like need you to be nice. And I'm just kind of like, fuck, like she's so sensitive. Like I'm not sensitive. Like I've worked in New York, like before social media, like this whole, like people complaining about little things at work. Like I was like called an idiot and screamed at and called fat at work. Like, and do I think it's okay? No, but it definitely was character building and it made me not sensitive. So I'm not, there's, I'm not super affected by ever, or like, like nothing triggers me. Like you'd have to say something really horrible to me to make me mad. Like nothing mm -hmm. anyone else does bothers me. Mm -hmm. And she's very affected and like very triggered, even just by like the tone of my voice. Mm -hmm. So that's like a very interesting dynamic because I don't want her to move out. Like I like us all here and the way, the amount that we work, like when I have a child, like I want her here. I don't want her to be like my nanny, but I want her here. Like, mm -hmm. I also don't want her living somewhere else and getting into bad habits alone. Like, you know, I just, yeah. and so that's a huge adjustment is like learning how, and a big issue was like learning how to communicate with my mother, not as like a mother daughter, but like human to human. Like, mm -hmm. what does she need from me? So to get back to like your question, it's like really me having to be like, okay, if I was going to look at her as like a business associate and like, to get what I need out of her, I need to change my approach. I would mm -hmm. do that in any other situation. I need to do it with her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. trying to be more loving. Hey, what do you need? I've noticed that you're a little frazzled lately. Mm -hmm. Like, is there something that I can do to help you? Like, do you need, like, do you right. want my assistant to help you? Do you need ther a therapist? Like, I bought her a book about, like, optimizing your brain. Like, there's just a lot of other things that I'm doing that are trying to be, like, loving. Yeah. And trying to find ways in which, like, what can you do? And a lot of times it's not changing the people around you, but it's changing things that you do yeah. that will then change the people around you. Absolutely. Um, people always get that wrong. <laughs> yes, totally. That's the secret. Yeah. <laughs> um, so first of all, I love your brand. I'm such a big Thank fan you. and for so many reasons, but also I love the little notes that you put on the tags. Uh, um, they're like, very real and just like you, I think super transparent and relatable. I really respect your openness and transparency and the way in which you share authentically because I think we can get really caught up uh, in a time like the time that we're living in where 
you know, we just see things through a filter. And mm-hmm. um, it's so important. I always talk about um, transparency being really important, especially on social media. And have you always been so open? And is that yeah. just an extension of you're like, if I'm going to do this, this is who I am and I can't really change it. And I'm just going to put it all out there. Yeah, that's always been consistent. I think it's funny now. Sometimes I'll see like, you know, thank God, I feel like people have been getting a lot more vulnerable and social. Yes. And so, you know, someone said something to me recently that was like, you're just doing this to, and it's like a, you know, a way to like get, like, you know, whatever. Like I was being like fake vulnerable and I was like, have you fucking Googled me? Like yeah. I had a blog in 2007 that was a journal about living in New York. And I wrote about breakups and I wrote about doing drugs and I wrote about feeling overwhelmed with school and mm-hmm. I wrote about everything. So that's always been consistent. I've always had a big mouth and I've always been very like open and honest. Like I've been, I've been this person since I was like 10 years old. There isn't, wasn't really like a lot of change. I feel like there's been, there can be a lot of positives and negatives, obviously. And you've probably lived a lot of them um, with things like Instagram. I mean, you met your husband on Instagram. And so that's a positive. I'm sure I'm not, I don't want to assume, but a lot of your brand's marketing or sort of positive growth came from Instagram or comes from Instagram. Yeah, Instagram's um, a wonderful tool. I'm it's changing our lives and hopefully mostly for the better. It's, I think that's up to us how you use it and what you choose to to do with it. Yeah, I feel like I read somewhere uh, you saying that and it was like we it's like our responsibility to use apps like that like Instagram for us. Like it's our yeah, responsibility. Yeah, like don't follow to, people that trigger you. Right. Like, like, so, like, you know, girls like will like hate follow me. I'm like, don't follow. Like, there's girls that I'm friends with that I know don't like me and are like the first person to watch my Insta stories every day. And I'm always like, girl, I have you mm. muted. And like, <laughs> I know, like, you're looking at my stuff because I bother you and you just want to be more bothered by it. Yeah, so that's such me- a, that's actually such a big thing. Yeah. The like triggers for people and then the obsession with following the people that trigger them for some reason. And that's their own issue that it triggers them. But the like uh, inability to, I just actually learned about mute from another person on that I was interviewing. I didn't even know there was a mute and I'm so excited about there being a mute. Um, yeah. Cause it's not like it's, and I think a mute is like a healthy thing. Like it's totally, it's boundaries. The, the be, it's boundaries. And I think the, the most wonderful way to show that you support someone is by following them on Instagram. You're publicly saying, I feel you, I'm into you, I support you. Yeah. And I think that's great. But there are some people who, you know, like there are so many people that I know that I'm like, oh, I love you in real life, but like maybe your social doesn't really do anything for me and I don't want that to affect my relationship with you. So muting is a fabulous tool. Yes. And um, even uh, in another interview, we were talking about the idea of totally respecting and loving someone's brand and what they do and what they put out. But sometimes it kind of messes with your own creative process. And so even utilizing the mute for that, it's not like you don't need to unfollow them or you're not, there's no beef. It's just like, I'm going to mute you right now because it's kind of getting in the way of my, of my productivity. And so I didn't, I definitely have a bunch of I need to go through now that I know that there's a mute. I mean, how did I live this long without knowing there's a mute? I don't know. Um, So what, like, how did you get into fashion? How did you start LPA? I know those are your initials or they were before you got married. How did that all go down? Well, I went to Parsons. I mean, I used to make a lot of my own clothes. My mom and I, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't like in here sewing things, but I would cut things up and like minorly sew them like enough to where I could wear them out. I mean, we have, my mom has a, my mom made all my clothes growing up. Like Mm. her sewing machine is in my closet still and she uses it all the time. So I would like quickly put things together and I was always really into vintage clothes. I was really into fashion. I went to an all girls Catholic school and so, which I was, which I'm very happy about. I wouldn't have changed that by any means. I couldn't imagine having to get dressed up for school every day. But when I did go out on the weekends, like I, like how I dressed in high school is like way cooler than I dress now. I was just so inspired and felt really fearless and would drive around. You know, when I got my license. We would go thrift store shopping nonstop. I was always on Melrose. Melrose mm-hmm. used to have a bunch of punk yeah. rock stores called like, you know, the retail slut. And I would yeah. go in there and get cool stuff. You know, I was really 
really driven by fashion in like an intense way. That wasn't, it just like fulfilled me. It wasn't this like, I have to have that because I would wear really cool vintage stuff. And I remember like, I would always go to parties at USC when I was like a senior in high school in like weird vintage dresses and all the guys would be like, what are you wearing? Like, (laughs) that's so weird. Because I would fully wear these like beautiful long silk robes as dresses with like cool heels and like, some guys would be like, wow, you look so cool. And some guys would be like, why are you dressed? Like, you're, it's like the 70s. Like, you know what I mean? Because like all the girls at USC were just like, obviously not wearing stuff like that. So yeah, it was always a huge part of me. And so I was really excited when I got into Parsons, really nervous to move to New York. And then was really lucky that really, I mean, that was, that dri- drove my whole life. So I got into Parsons. They were out of dorms at the time. So I got an apartment on the Lower East Side and like lived on the Lower East Side with a roommate in 2005. It was a neighborhood um, that unfortunately was gentrified. And, you know, I obviously contributed to that as like a white girl moving into that neighborhood. But I was able to meet a lot of people who lived in that neighborhood and grew up in New York um, that were doing a lot of really cool things. There was a store called the New York thing that had just opened up and it was just like such a creative hub. And um, I hung out like, you know, Lower East Side had a bunch of like cool artists and a bunch of cool people who are now insanely successful. So it's like really awesome that like all these like young people who were like really allowed to, you know, be insanely creative are now insanely successful. It was really... It was really cool. I mean, I wish that for anyone that they can be like that inspired and feel that free. I worked at restaurants and did a lot of internships and worked in PR and then worked at Reformation for a long time. And Reformation was so different back then. It was like, you know, we had all the vintage clothes and it was reworked vintage clothes. And working in PR was fascinating. used to see, I mean, we had so many different brands I would work with. I would go to all the shows. I mean, it was just, I could not have had more experience. I was just constantly working. Um, like constantly fucking working. And so, um, and then, you know, I, I left Reformation and I moved to LA and was working a lot out here, different places. I was, did a lot of freelance stuff. I worked at Just One Eye for a while and then got hired back at Reformation. And then I left Reformation to go work. I had gotten a job at Zara and was about to move to Spain to work for Zara. And then Risa from Revolve reached out and said, hey, I saw on Instagram that you were leaving Reformation to work for Zara, but like we're really trying to build out um, our private label brands over here. Like, can we meet? And we met and I decided to stay. It's like, that wow. was like one of those like major life-changing moments. So funny. Like one of the major <laughs> factors in that was like, my mom was like, well, what if you meet a guy in Spain that you're in love with? And then like, <laughs> you're going to have to choose between like America and another country. And I ended up having to do that with Davide anyway. So was, like, <laughs> that was a part of my journey regardless. Um, so yeah. And then like, you know, LPA, So you built LPA with Revolve. Yeah. And so, yeah. And now that's, I mean, that's been great. And now there's a bunch of other things that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. More like home things that are coming. and Cool. um, Yeah. And like, you know, cool products and some food stuff that David and I are working on because we did like a small round of cooking videos on Instagram that did really well. And that's like my- They did really well. And like, you know, home stuff is my passion, like entertaining and like everything that iSpoon does. I'm always like, ugh, like I love her. So, I mean, LPA is like my first child and that'll always be a part of my life. But I think like trying to expand into like other categories and then I- And then I, you know, I have the podcast, which brings me like so much joy. Yes. What is your relationship? I know you've touched on it, like kind of in little bouts here and there, even in this talk, but what's your relationship with mental health? I mean, it's my issue is that I don't, I really stuff things away since Mm. I was little. I've always deferred to I've known since I was very, very young my privilege. And so I've always said I don't have anything to complain about. So I've definitely, there's definitely some stuff that I still probably need to like. I actually read one of your, I can't remember now if it was like a caption or something, but you were talking about your fertility struggles and you were like, it was something like, there's so much going on in the world right now. So like, yeah, I'm going through this, but it's not that it shouldn't. It's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, um, or something yeah. like that. You said something like that, and so yeah, that's I what it like was. That's like it was like fuck. Like I shouldn't say anything about this because like bigger things are happening. 
And I have to do that all the time. And I also now that like, you know, I have a little bit of a social media following. I do that anyway because people I'm too I'm so scared to be like flippant or like, you know, the other night I was like, oh, I'm taking a bath and I was using a girlfriend of mine products. Then I was like, oh, I know that's a privilege to be taking a bath in it. And I do, mm-hmm. you know, and that's I like I defer to like disclaimer and I defer to being like, oh, yeah, like I'm aware that what I'm doing is is specific mm-hmm. to me and that not everybody has the time to take a bath and not everybody has a bath and then not everybody has like a CBD bath balm, you know? <laughs> so I understand that it's like can be really isolating. But, you know, I think a lot of that comes down to, to like how I dealt with like, I mean, I had like the world's best dad, but like, you know, he was Italian and he would get angry. And now I know that he had CTE really bad. After he passed away, we did, we sent his brain to be examined because my dad was a professional football player and he had like stage three out of four CTE, like frontal lobe brain damage, wow. which causes huge personality mm-hmm. changes, including like anger, aggression and, and yeah. aggression. <laughs> and so, and he, he would get, get, he would get into that mode and I would be really little and I would be the only one he would listen to. So I was responsible for making sure that Chuck like wasn't going too far, or, like getting mm-hmm. too mad. And I'd be like, daddy, like, why are you doing that? Like, okay, like that's, you can't talk like that. Like, and he would be like, like, I just had that over him at a really young age. And, and I would look at him with empathy. I wouldn't look at him and be like, why are you acting like this? Mm -hmm. I would always, I remember being really young and being like, oh, like you're miserable. Like to act like that, like you're, you're mad or it's something you can't control. And so, um, I just like adored him and like hung on him. Oh my God. Like the day he died, I like fed him dinner, like literally. Mm. So wow. I ha- always had like where I felt, he was never like, why the fuck are you doing that? It was kind of like, what's making people act like that mm-hmm. and approached it from like an empathetic place. So yeah. then I never allowed myself to be like, oh, well maybe when he would get like a little angry when I was younger, like get really, he would get really frustrated with me with homework. He could never help me with homework because he would communicate in a way I couldn't understand because he was brilliant and then he would get mad. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, and I think that really like hurt me as a child, but I never allowed myself to think about it. Right. So I need to dig that up probably. (laughs) That's so interesting. There's a lot of like, not that this is a therapy session, but... I'm down. I'm down. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of is. There's like so much invalidation of your own feelings. Um, totally. That's so interesting because it is like we are, it's also a product of the times and something that like if you already have that pro- propensity, you know, like ha- like feeling like guilty to take a bath or having yeah. to, you know, you're going through a struggle and yes, there's so much horribleness going on and and, un- and injustice going on in the world right now. And just like the the trauma that we're all going through you know, going through a global pandemic and and the losses and everything. But like your struggles with fertility or whatever your struggles might be are just as valid and just as important and not really like being able to, um, especially for someone that's so open and so transparent, not not able to kind of like sort of own that and 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 expect others to be okay with it is so interesting because it really does echo a lot of what you're saying, like even straight through childhood. And I find it's just, it's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really great that you were able to take a bath. <laughs> that's Thank all you. I'm say. Well, because that's also like, you know, I do know that I have to wake up, like I, my husband being gone for a month, I created my own little mental health moments in here. So like this morning I was like, okay, like I'm happy you're back. But like, just so you know, like in the morning now I take three deep breaths and I like set my intention so I can like set my subconscious mind for the day. And then I take out my notebook and I free write and then I'll write down some goals. And so like, I love you, but like, like if I'm do like in the morning, I, if you're going to wake up and go straight into your day, like don't drag me into that because mm-hmm. I have to set up my day yeah. appropriately. And I was like, and I, and I hope that you start doing this too. Cause I think it, cause he's like a stress case. And I was like, I hope that this would benefit you as well. Like I'm very into like, I'm also really good about being like, okay, I'm overwhelmed. Like, okay, I need to go outside. Like, okay, I need to. Yeah. Because when I don't, I start getting pissed and then I start like resenting. Like that was also the conversation I had with my mom because I was like, I'm so busy, mom. And I'm trying to do everything I can to like make all of this work for all of us. So like, I need you to just like make sure when I walk in the kitchen in the morning, it's clean. Because then I'm also like, if when there's a kid in here, like I can't clean up after both of you. Yeah. 
I also, so, there's a lot of research backing up what you're saying. I just want to say um, that you can share with your family as well. There's so much research done on the mood that you're in in the morning really impacts the, your mood for the rest of the day. So if you're going to pick a time to do a positive ritual, even if it's really small, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know, it could be like the way in which you make your espresso or it could be your intention setting or um, for me, it's like wake up and dance. Like I just have to like, you know, Cute. wake up, put some music on and dance or like picking one of my things or looking up cards I do or whatever. Or if it's, you know, doing nothing for two minutes and nobody talks yeah. to me, whatever it is, like it's really important. And that's actually pretty like you have so much intuition and it sounds like from a young age as well, like really knowing sort of yourself is so, it's so interesting. Even, even the things that you feel, you know, might be good to sift through or spend some more time. And like, you already know what they are. Like, you know yourself. So it's really, it's really amazing. And when I stop hearing my intuition is when I'm like, fuck, I'm fucked up. Like I'm not doing the work. Cause if, and everyone has this, like when you really tap into you and you're like aligned and not off centered, like you hear things. And I heard something recently, which kind of like shifted my like fertility journey. Um, And I was like, damn, like I was open enough to like receive that message. Yeah. I mean, you're so, you're so right. We all have the ability to have intuition. It is part of us. It's actually like the, the biggest part of our brain is actually meant for like subconscious and intuition. We just don't cool, use it that really? much. We don't use it that much anymore. And the type of yeah. lives we live are so fast paced and sort of all the pluses and positives we get from technology and sort of being on all the time. There's a lot of pluses with it. But one of the big minuses is in order to really like hear and to tap into that intuition and trust it and build upon it, like you actually need time and space literally and figuratively to sort of go in. And I yeah. think like just the a product of the type of life we live is that we're really losing our our ability to trust and even and even like hear our intuition, let alone even trust it. Like it's it's become so quiet, it's almost unrecognizable. Yeah, and all we absolutely. have to do is set time. Like it, it, it's not like it's gone forever. That's the optimistic part. It's really part. me putting my there. phone down. I have yes. to just put my phone down. <laughs> That's really hard for me too. And I study this and I talk about it. And it's just so much of my work, especially now. I mean, in the last few months is like, because I'm trying to keep an eye on my kid or do or cook or clean or dishes at the same time of working, like I'm no longer working from a computer. So I'm working from my phone, which actually I would say, my husband always tells me, he's like, so many of your issues would be so much better if you just didn't work from your phone and yeah. you worked, like you sat down and did your work. From, and I'm like, well, that's great if I had someone to help me with all the other stuff. I know. I love how my husband's, my husband's like big thing is that. And I think he's actually right. And my mom's is like, so much, so many of your issues would go away if you just drank more water, which is probably also <laughs> true. <laughs> They're onto something. Oh my um, God, that's so weird. I'm gonna take a sip of my water now. Yeah, please do. You know, I've read a little bit about because you're so open and transparent, which I think is so brilliant. We can all learn, you know, from how you have remedied mistakes that you've made, whether professionally or personally. And I think that a really beautiful thread amongst the people that I get to interview for this podcast are people that own up to the things that they've done and celebrate the wins that they've had, but also own up to the stuff that maybe they're not so proud of or that they did unintentionally and it was a mistake and how they sort of worked through them. And all of that is resiliency building. And that Mm. is a huge part of optimism and happiness. And you can't really, you can't talk about working on happiness without how you've built like muscles and the tools to work through struggle and build your resiliency. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about um, at least like career-wise, I know LPA some time ago, came out with a sweatshirt line that was actually like when you hear about what your true intention for it was actually pretty brilliant and amazing and actually so necessary and transparent and helpful. But unfortunately, things kind of went. It was like a perfect storm of like just the actual PR crisis and a perfect example of 
like cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing was like so ironic because the whole point of the sweatshirt, it was like the worst things. It was the, they were quotes submitted by each, each woman and it was the worst thing that had been said to them by a troll on Instagram. And the sweatshirt came out without me knowing it like a day early on a, on a model for like another website. And with no context, it looked like the sweatshirt was actually like a, like promoting bullying, but it was yes. like the fucking opposite. And it was so crazy that no one took one second to like do any sort of research or yeah. like look at the other sweatshirts. And, you know, I was like, I like landed in New York and I like had the sweatshirts with me because we were going to launch them with each girl whose quote it was like taking a selfie in the sweatshirt and they were going to own it. And we had like an event planned and PR and the whole thing. And um, one girl posted on her Instagram and I wrote back to her and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I haven't even seen this image. Like, I don't even know how this, this shouldn't even be an image. Right. Like, and this is the, like, this is the opposite of what it is. But the, the ironic thing is, is like now we've eliminated any sort of uh, chance for dialogue and we've eliminated any sort of communication and we've eliminated any sort of empathy or understanding or take taking any sort of time to be like, oh, actually, wait, hold on. Sorry. Hey, everyone. Like that's that's everyone is posting this angry like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you actually didn't even do any research. Right. It was like just torches, like let's burn it down. Mm. Um, and it was I like that. Talk about something that I need to like. Go th- like I, I mean, it was what like three years ago now or two years ago. I mean, it's sick. It's sick. Like what? How? Like I don't. I I'm so like oh okay. I see the reason why that happened all the time, and I don't understand what the point of that was. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm it, I was so excited about shining a light on like the horrors of the internet and like how and the fact that it turned into like anything kind of contributing to that and then it turning on me like the the irony is mm-hmm. unfucking believable and i don't i don't see the point the only thing that i know to be true which was my mistake was not not deep diving into anyone who had their hands on it mm-hmm. saying like well, like, how are you shooting this? Like, how are you going to promote this? Like, should you even have that? Like, I should have been more on top of it. What I did, that's a mistake that I learned in work my whole life is like, you can't, you can't trust anybody else. You need to make like, you need, if like someone's, if you're working with someone else, assuming that they're doing their job Mm -hmm. is, is wrong. Mm -hmm. So, if they're not doing it right, it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. It's you didn't manage that appropriately. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that. So I don't know why. And I think it was just comes down to me like trying to get too much done at one time that right. I was just focused on how I was handling it and not anything else. But I really don't, I still am like, what the fuck was the point of that? Because, you know, I like a year before that, I modeled in the Glossier Body Hero campaign. Like I'm clearly a body positive yes. person. Yes. Like I talk about it. So that's also where I was like, where are all the people who fucking know me who are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that's not Pia. Right. Like she does the opposite of that. Right. It, the whole thing was like so. And then like the friendships that were lost over that was like, wow, okay. Like you guys are all weird and fickle and that, and like everyone at the end of the day just kind of like had their own back. I mean, it was like, I, it was it, like, there isn't a lot of stuff that makes me sensitive. Like people say horrible th- things about me all the time. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but that, I still yeah. hear, yeah, I like still hear the things that people said about me during that time, like, like all day. Like I wake up and I'll like see comments that people made in my head calling me trash or like that I should die. And like, yeah. And it's, yeah, people showed up at my house. I mean, it was bad. It was like bad all the way around. So yeah, the only thing that I could do was handle that with as much grace as possible and be hyper aware of everything I do moving forward and knowing triple checking everything, triple checking every post, triple yeah. checking everything that I say, like making sure that like there isn't 
any room for a mistake. Yeah, which is also pretty hard. That's a pretty hard expectation to live by. You know, yeah, it'll never exhausting. be a mistake. It's exhausting. Definitely. Yeah, we and we're not empathetic towards people. We don't allow people to make mistakes anymore. We cancel them. Mm-hmm. So I know I feel like a like a I'm like I'm a survivor. <laughs> like I survived being actually what was really nice. Um, and I didn't promote it and I should have and I still should, but like Elle magazine sent a writer here who spent like a week with me. Wow. And this girl is like totally outside of like this realm of fashion, like didn't know me, didn't know this, like didn't, was like such a neutral person. Right. Um, and spent like a week here and wrote a really flattering article about very objectively being like, well, well, here's actually what happened. And, you know, all the sites criticizing her actually like, you know, got off on this being a very personal thing. And like the intention was the exact opposite. And like, this is a person who like makes breakfast for her mom and husband every day. And it's like not yeah. like some, you know, who's like so thought, like she watched me do a photo shoot. She watched like, you know, a shoot that we had planned before. Like it was all very, I was like, okay, here's my like redemption moment. And it, and you know, I'm sure one trillionth of the people read that then like know about what happened. So um, and I didn't promote it because I didn't want to be for as much as I'm so forward on my Instagram and self-promoting. It's my name and selfies all the time. I still didn't want to be like, here's an article about like right. my redemption, you know, like I didn't. So I didn't even I didn't post anything about it. But um, I'm I internally, I feel contentment that that like I don't need anyone to read it. I'm happy that a human being who mm-hmm. is an actual journalist came here and spent a week with me and like did her job like in the most objective sense and that that's what she wrote. Yeah. Like that, that's like where I defer to the optimism. I'm like, there was a journalist here who yes. could have written anything about me and that, and she wrote something great. Like I sleep well. Yes. You know what I mean? Like and, she wasn't like, this is like some asshole. Right. And the fact that you, you knew and you know who you are and you very openly welcomed that situation because you knew where, what your heart was. So yeah. it was I didn't have know, to like defend myself. No. I was just like, whoa, this was like a perfect fucking accident. And Ugh, like the people that sick. the the women that were that were asked to do the selfies and to do that, did they like because they were obviously in on what the true intention was. Did any of them like speak on your behalf at the time or no? No. Wow. I haven't talked to any of them since really. Wow. That's it's okay. Yeah. It is what it is. And yeah. it sounds like you've, it still hurts and I can see that and it's so painful. And it's There's no getting trauma. over something like that because right. I know that everywhere I go or anyone who sees me, like 50, if not more percent of them are like, oh, that's the girl that had that thing happen to her. Mm-hmm. So I, that's like, and, and it, it's more so like, fuck, I can't. And so now when I see things that happen on the internet to people where I'm like, "Mm, you left out a huge part of that story or like, "Mm," like you posted that in a way that like really made that person look bad for your benefit for clickbait. I'm very sensitive to that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very sensitive to it because I also wanted, I like really wanted to go to USC to go to Annenberg. Like I really wanted to be a journalist. And so, you know, lacking journalistic decorum to me is like a big deal. It's something I take really personally. And now you can't defend yourself and you can't say, oh, I did like you can't. There's no dialogue anymore. So that's was like the really sickening part to me was not, okay, this happened. But like the fact that nobody takes more than one second to to do any sort of research on anything like it. You you know what really hurt me, which was I haven't talked about this in forever, but like the one thing that really hurt me that still sticks with me is how has how mean and sad people are. It it made me I being such an optimistic person, it the disappointment that I have in like the human race was like the hardest part. Mm. That was like I was like wow, like like we do live in such a beautiful world and I always assume people are innately good and I was like I don't think people are as good as I think they are. Mm. And, and and I still think that. And that's sad. Yeah, that's um, that's really sad. Yeah, but I right. saw it and I experienced it. Right. So I can't, it's like, that's what happened. Right. And so many times humans are naturally drawn to sort of shocking news or negative, negative things. 
which is so interesting. Now I'm aware with what I consume. Like, I love Daily Mail. But if when Daily Mail writes a story like, you know, uh, you know, about like the downfall of someone, I'm like, I didn't before, but especially now I'm like, I don't find that to be entertaining entertaining at all. Yeah. We shouldn't have any of that right now because there's way more important things going on. Yeah. So I don't know. My challenge to everyone is like all those like cancel accounts. I'm like, so what are you doing that's positive? Like, have you started funds right. to help other people? Like, are you raising money? Like, or are what you, about what about highlighting and spotlighting people that you think are doing a really good job? That are doing good things. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the only thing I'm like, cool. If you want to like, I'm like all about people, you know, quote unquote, getting called out. Um, absolutely. If people have done atrocious things, then then people should know who they're supporting. I, and do the research I'm, because but there I think should what be due diligence yeah. there and journalistic decorum. I think what decorum. we've learned is that things happen so quickly on the internet in a matter of seconds and conclusions are jumped to super quickly. And the thing that I think people forget is they think, oh, well, this is just something I'm posting. How much harm could it do? And look, this is like three years later and it's very painful. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, there's another human behind it. And so of course, like, I don't hear you saying um, no one should be called out. You're saying people should be called out if they're actually doing something that is hurtful to anybody else, but do the diligence and don't just burn witches at the stake. Um, Those people are humans. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I spoke about this even before this all happened, people would be like, can't, I was like that, like, there's nothing more sick to me than like saying like someone is canceled. Cause like, by the way, like, first of all, how childish to hear another adult say that about another person. Why would you wish that upon anybody? You're just saying like, if, if God, if like we will, if we're like God fearing people and he taught forgiveness, then like, how is anyone supposed to move on or become like a well-established person of depth and character? And then on top of that, this type of language is being translated instantly to high schools and elementary schools. And before this happened to me, my niece, who was in like eighth grade at the time or like a freshman or something, was like, oh, yeah, this girl my school, like we canceled her. Like she was canceled or like, and I was like, fuck me, man. Like this is like the legacy of like the internet on young kids. Like that shit's disgusting. Like. I don't like that. I didn't like that at all. Like I like I heard her like and her friends and like she, you know, has like gone through struggles at school and she was like, oh, yeah, like that girl got canceled or like everyone's really scared of getting canceled or like, yeah, so the tea on that girl is. And I was like, ooh, like this is like it's not just us. Like this is how we speak. And right. this is like our future generations. And so you're really it's just how much more negative could that be? Yeah. The term is disgusting to me. Yeah, I can't um, I can't even imagine being in high school or middle school was hard enough. It came with its challenges. And I always say, like, I can't imagine having internet, first of all, during that time, yeah. and Instagram and everything that comes with that at that age. But like, yeah, to walk in to school one day and 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 have someone say, by the way, blah, blah, blah is canceled. I mean, that's yeah that takes high school bullying to a whole nother level. And so our adult behavior is being reflected very, very quickly by children. So yeah. Um, and and validated by the amount of likes that these things get. Yeah. So, so I think true. like, I'm like, I love the internet and I love Instagram. And I think it's, I'm so happy that people can start small businesses. I'm so happy that people feel validated. I'm so happy that people can be like, popular on the internet for like a cool thing they do. Like, I'm just so happy by the communities that are built and the positive, the way that like what happened in Beirut, like so quickly what's happening in Mauritius right now, like so quickly, this is happening in Mauritius. This is what people are doing. This is what they need. Like people already here know about it and that we're not, you know, having to lean on like mainstream corrupt media for our news is fucking incredible. But, you know, like everything, there's just a negative aspect to it and it's how you choose to engage, um, which means that like you don't get to be bad. Like if you, you know what I mean? Like if you don't get, like don't follow those things and you use it correctly. You know? Yeah. No, I, I totally get it. What has your IVF experience been? Or if you, I don't know if you're open to talking about your fertility struggles. Yeah. I've- right now I'm taking time. I was really rushing into it. 
And, you know, a huge part of the success of IVF is mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't in a mental place where I felt comfortable. You know, I don't have that money. It's so expensive. So I wasn't in in a mental place where I felt comfortable enough, you know, investing, going into debt over this process, knowing that like I'm a little frazzled right now and that will affect like my egg retrieval. So I'm spending the next three months taking supplements and cycle syncing. I I was lucky enough to have a consultation with Elisa Vitti, but you know, everyone that she works with at Flow Living is the same, you know, she's trains everyone the same. It's like affordable fertility advice and process. So I'm doing everything I can. I can get pregnant, but I'm not staying pregnant mm-hmm. because my egg quality is bad. So I'm spending this time taking, you know, CoQ10 and zinc and magnesium and my B vitamins and an AC, like a bunch of yummy stuff that helps with your egg quality and then extremely cutting back on, which I didn't today, but on caffeine and alcohol. But actually, you know, having like two sips of espresso is not yeah. my, I mean, I usually wake up and make like a giant bulletproof coffee. So, um, <laughs> but I'm also like, I'm not an all or nothing person. I'm doing baby stuff so I can be easy on myself, which is another part yes. of, you know, I think mindfulness too. So I just thought I'm going to spend the next three months like getting back into my workout routine and I was binge eating. I've just, the last few months have been really hard on everyone. So I thought, yes. and and feeling like I can't get pregnant makes me feel really bad. Like I I, I, I had this idea in my head that like I'm broken mm-hmm. and um, that's not okay. So I'm just getting, spending these months getting back to like loving myself and being happy with myself so I can attract all the good things. And then, you know, maybe we'll try a couple times on our own. And if we don't start that journey when I feel like we're supposed to, but that was like, we, I had like gone on the birth control. Was it about to start the process? And my guts said, don't do it. It's not time. It's not time. I think that's so important to listen. So many times we, it's back to that intuition and giving ourselves that time and space. And and we know, we know where we're at and really just asking like, where are you right now? And who are you right now? And, and we know, and, and, you know, I think that fertility is so important as females, especially as women to talk about, because you actually never know. And it's, it's so prevalent and you never know what someone's going through or why or why not. And I can understand and relate. I did not have any fertility issues. I had my son, you know, we, I was, that's whole thing. I hate when people say like, I wasn't trying, um, I wasn't on birth control. So that obviously means something, but we were actually in Italy. We were in Lake Como and yes. And we, um, I got pregnant. I thought I had like an ovarian cyst. I was like, something's off. I'm like very in tune with my body. And of course I immediately went to like, something was off and I had just got off the pill. So I was like, there's no way. And it turns out we were pregnant. You know, I had my son and I had a horrible pregnancy. It was absolutely horrific. I threw up 35 times a day on average every day from when I found out I was pregnant until I delivered. Uh, It was the worst time in my life. It was my worst nightmare. It happens to very few. It was was like less than 2% of pregnant women. I then had a lot of complications and traumatic experience towards the end. Um, I went into labor early and I had an emergency C-section and basically all of this stuff happened. And about six months, thank God he is a miracle. Like he was unscathed. I was unscathed. He came right at the right time where any later could have been a detriment to my life and any earlier his. And so he came literally at 37 weeks on the day. And then about six months postpartum, I like, I don't know how my mind was thinking this, but I was like, I'm kind of ready, not ready to get pregnant, but just like I want to start thinking about, I didn't even have a period yet. I was still breastfeeding, but like (laughs) I went to the doctor and I was like, I'm at a place now where I'm like, what happened to me? I know something traumatic happened. I was so focused on my son that like, I know something happened. I know I had like preeclampsia really badly. I know these things, but what does it mean? And so I ended up going to a bunch of experts, like every expert in the field of high risk um, maternal fetal medicine and maternal medicine in LA at all the different institutions. And basically for very specific reasons of things that I tested for, they were like, you should not carry again. You will not get lucky again. And they gave me a very high percentage of not making it through my next pregnancy. So I had to go through IVF to get my eggs out so that we could have embryos. And 
I totally know what you mean. I mean, I felt so... I felt like my my existence on this planet was like, you know, completely broken and purposeless that I couldn't carry my own child. I mean, yeah, it was like... a crazy feeling. It's a crazy feeling. And, you know, even like it's the whole thing on like you don't even... You have no idea why someone or what someone is going through. Um, you would have no idea. Even like I had to go through that whole experience and it wasn't for fertility, but it was for other reasons. And mm-hmm. our surrogate's pregnant now. And <gasps> oh, no! we're, we're due pretty soon. And like we just started our third trimester. And oh I, my God. Yeah. And so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And it's like, and it was an, ex- I mean, it tried and tested and challenged every one of my optimistic tools that I've worked yeah, really hard for over the years. And, you know, it, it has, it was, it has been one of the most challenging times. And I feel like I hold at the same time, like, I'm so thankful and I'm mm-hmm. so grateful that this is an opportunity that I can even do, like scientifically wise, resource wise, totally, finding an angel, an angel out there that is going to, you know, do the most special thing that I can never, ever even fathom in my brain how a human could be so, so special that they would do this for us. Yeah, of course. Um, but at the same time, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night crying sometimes because I'm just like, where's my baby? And yeah. I, you know, she'll send me, um, you know, a message that like, you know, the baby's kicking and I'm like so excited, but I'm also like, I'm jealous. You know, no, or I would like be, that's a devast- that's a very odd position that you're in to be so grateful and to be like, why isn't he yeah. inside of me? Exactly. And the fact that I, you know, I'm I'm so lucky I was able to experience it once before, like so lucky and I'm thankful, but at the same time it makes it harder sometimes because I know what I'm missing or I have something yeah. to compare it to. But I I totally get that. And I think that it's it's really a courageous and beautiful thing for you to share and um, well, everyone's so going through out. it. Everyone is. Yes. So I, I, I like minorly talked about it. So I get these weird gut feelings that I'm supposed to share things. I don't know what it is. Like, I'll be sitting somewhere and I'm like, oh my God, I, I want to post this and I want to say it. Like, my husband's seen it. He's like, it's so weird. Oh, it's just like, <laughs> and it happens often. And so like the fertility thing, I don't know. I was like, I like minorly mentioned a miscarriage, like in a post. I was like, you know experienced a lot of loss and this is one of them and like a couple people caught it and not a lot of people did but of the few people that did it was like the floodgates opened yeah and I get so overwhelmed because as soon as I mention anything about it I get hundreds of messages instantly of girls like spewing their story because they're like so excited to tell their story and it's these like novels of horrible, like I've, you know, I'm had five miscarriages and had failed IVF or I, you know, we've been trying this. I've had three chemical pregnancies, like no doctors telling me what's wrong with me. My one girl told me that her fertility struggles led her to divorce her husband because they couldn't like, it's like, and so I just was like, okay, this is clearly something I need to talk about more. I mean, the episode I did with Elisa got so like it was like the amount of listens on that thing. Like I ran into my friend's neighbor the other day and she was like, who's like, no, a friend of mine too, of course, because I see her often. And she was like, I, I listened to it. I sent it to all my friends. Like that's kind of been what's been happening. It's, and it's because all we don't have any fucking answers for any of this right. shit. And it's like, unless you have so much money to go to all these doctors, right. like it's fucking insane. Like the I interviewed Afton who started Modern Fertility. She started that because her doctor wouldn't give her any of the preventative tests. Like she just went in in her 20s and was like, hey, I'd love to know how many eggs I have. I'd love to know the quality. I'd love to know what's going on with me. And her doctor said no. So she had to go to an infertility clinic and spend $2,000 yeah. getting those tests done. So now you can get them on Modern Fertility for $159. And you can go to your doctor, which they have a whole pamphlet telling you how to speak to your doctor about your results. And you say, hey, Boom, boom, boom. These yeah. are these numbers. This number could mean endometriosis. This number could mean PCOS. Like you're just empowering women to have the information to be their own advocate. Yes. And that's really why I'm so happy that I've, you know, stumbled into this. And I think maybe this is like why God, 
has taken me on this journey is because it's really opened the doors to have this be like a conversation because a lot of women are suffering silently. And there are women who are like very popular on Instagram who aren't sharing this and people that like I'm will like reach out to me and like, yeah, I've had like two miscarriages and like I've done three rounds of IVF and like, you know, I have all my embryos now and like soon we're going to, you know, and it's like, wow, you went through that privately. Like you didn't. And just with this happy face on Instagram for, for a year, like fucking God bless you. I don't have that ability. That's why I don't, I don't have that. I can't just be like, everything's okay. Like I'm too outward in my Mm -hmm. expressions. So it's kind of, it's not like a purposeful thing. It just happens that way for me. Yeah. And, and I totally agree. When I was pregnant with my, with my son, all I would see all over Instagram was other people, even colleagues of mine that were pregnant at the same time, just like, it looked like pregnancy was the most blissful, simple thing (laughs) that like, it was actually even easier to be pregnant than to like do anything else. And sure. I'm sure there's those experiences. I know people that have those experiences and I think that's so amazing, but I was like, there's got to be someone out there that's feeling remotely similar to me. Like there has to be, right? Yeah. And I just, I was so, I didn't share my pregnancy until like six months in because I felt so shameful that you weren't having like a blissful, you're not like on a beach in a bathing suit. Yeah, I felt shameful. And I also felt like this responsibility of like, if I'm not going to share it authentically of what's really happening, I can't share it at all. And so a picture had like, leaked out from a wedding I was at, but clearly I, I looked pregnant and it was like, and and I, I will say, you know, I was wearing this beautiful Indian outfit at the wedding. And of course it would look like, wow, like this, my, my, one of my best friends who's a designer made it for me and it was so beautiful. And if you just saw that image, I would think the same things I was thinking when I saw all these other images, this beautiful mm-hmm. Indian outfit and holding the bump and and I just like, it was literally out there for like less than, it just, It was from from my cousin who got married. It was his picture. It was out there for less than five minutes before I had to just spill it all out. Like, listen, yes, I'm so happy and this is that, but like, let me tell you what's been going on. And I've never had, like, it really showed me a positive benefit of how the internet and Instagram could work. I had Isn't it wonderful when you I have had those thousands and thousands Yes, thousands and thousands like literally thousands and thousands of DMs in my box and and comments of people that were just like, "Oh my god, thank god. I had never I was like, I'm in the wellness space. I've been eating anti-inflammatory cuz I have an autoimmune thing for this long and gluten-free and and refi- no refined sugar and no nightshade vegetables and then I got pregnant and the only thing I could keep down were egg McMuffins from McDonald's. Like my husband had to go in and he was like, babe, there's like a four for one deal. I'm like, get them all. Like I could only stomach McDonald's egg McMuffins. And I was just sharing it and being like, listen, like this is what I'm going through. And I'm throwing up like 35 times a day. I hemorrhage my vocal cords from it, like all of that. And it was actually such a gift in connection with people. I didn't have anyone to connect to really in my real life on that. Um, and it was such a gift of connection that it was the first time I really vowed, like, I am not going to suffer in silence. And especially as an optimism doctor, I too am someone that wears my emotions on my sleeve. And I I think there's power in that. And I am, if I'm going to share anything, whether I have, you know, hundred followers or 20,000 followers or whatever, I'm going to share transparently all of it because that's actually from all my research done, how you build optimism, hope, and happiness is, you know, living authentically. And like I said, building resiliency and you can't build resiliency without working through struggle. So you have to recognize the struggle. It's not about toxic positivity. No. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you were on and I have one last question for you. You've Mm -hmm. kind of touched on it as well, but what's looking up for you, Pia? Like what um, can we... I know you've got LPA, you've got the podcast. Um, is there anything else that you're working on? You're doing home stuff now, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, my website is launching soon. It's like, <laughs> it was supposed to launch a long time ago, but I'm busy. And so I'm like, oh, I, like I have to have a moment in the day where I'm not, like right now I'm just, I keep, I need to figure out how to schedule myself better because right now I'm just completing tasks yes. all day long, but I'm not having any sort of time to be like, 
thoughtful and creative. I am exactly um, in the same place. Like I feel like so, I'm just getting everything that needs to get done that has like a deadline. And I'm just like, check, check, check. But yeah, like these yeah. days are going, like, it's like, okay, cool. Right now it's like almost five. And I'm like, okay, I have to leave here an hour and a half for dinner, but I have to film like two videos and I like still haven't even put together my husband's anniversary present. And I know that motherfucker already has everything done because he's just <laughs> always like <laughs> has it together. So hopefully the website will launch soon. Um, and, and what are you hopeful about just generally? I don't know. I'm just like, I don't have, I mean, I obviously have like my goal, like goals in mind that I'd like to accomplish, but I'm actually just excited to see how like the next year unfolds. Yes. Yeah. Especially for my husband and his, and his work and everything. But I'm, I definitely just, am like, okay, this has obviously been a shit show for all of us. And our last couple of years have been a little trying. And so I'm really looking forward to having, I don't know, fuck. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> we thought we were hoping that like 2018, like 2018, we we're like, 2019's our year. And then like 2020, we're like, okay, we got 2021. <laughs> so just hoping that, um, you know, all of like the hard work that we both put into just a few certain things in our personal life coming together nicely comes together. Yes. Okay, the last thing we do to end things off is every one of my guests pulls a, one of my things are looking up optimism deck of card cards. If we were together, you'd pull it yourself. But since we're not, I'm pulling one for you, but it's- How many are there? Is there a lot? There's 52, but I'm going to pull one at random for you. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay, this one's (gasps) yours. What do you mean interesting? What does it say? Oh no, it's good. Okay. (laughs) It's kind of what, it's it's a little bit similar to what we've been talking about. And this keeps happening. Um, Every time I pull a random card, it like, goes so well with the conversation. So um, I always tease my my guests. I'm like, you didn't know, but this podcast comes with homework. So this is your task or your prompt to do. These are not affirmation cards. They actually tell you what to do. Okay. So, okay. Seek out a piece of positive, happy news right now. So many unbelievably horrible things are happening around us and we are aware of most of them. It's fine to be aware of these things. However, so many incredible things are also happening around the world and we're aware of so few of them. Try Googling something amazing happening. I mean, did you know that squirrels accidentally plant hundreds of trees each year simply because they forget where they put their acorns? Or that the tiger population in Nepal has just doubled in size? Or that the Dalai Lama has launched a government school program named the Happiness Curriculum in Delhi, which serves over 800,000 students? Cute! Oh, that just gave me goosebumps. So many good things. So your homework for tonight, just to add another thing that you have to do, but do it whenever. (laughs) It feels good. I would love to inspire you to do it every day because... Like we talked about, it's um, very easy for us to be aware of all the the negative things and horrible things happening, and and that's okay because we should be. But actively seek out something beautiful and amazing and miraculous and happy happening somewhere around the world. I absolutely will. I mean, that's good homework. Yes, that's good homework. Thank you so much. I can't wait Thank till we can you. actually hang. I know. Me too. Molto Congratulations grazie. on everything. Oh, prego, grazie. Ciao, ciao, a dopo. <laughs> ciao. Thanks so much for listening to Looking Up. For more optimistic content, follow me at Dr. Deepika Chopra. For more info on how to get your very own Things Are Looking Up optimism deck of cards, head to thingsarelookingup.com. If you like what you hear and you want to support the show, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our theme music is Me and Shaw Day by Tommy, courtesy of Terrible Records. I'm your host, Dr. Deepika Chopra, and I'll see you next Monday for your weekly dose of optimism.